So we are kicking off a brand new series this morning, and you've joined us uh, on week one of a four-week series, and I just felt like the gears shifted there, didn't they? Everyone was celebrating, everyone was excited, people were being baptized, I saw some tissues during the, the uh, video, some eyes being wiped, and it's just awesome, and then the bumper came up for this morning's um, series, and it was like, oh, <laughs> election. <laughs> How many of you are enjoying all of the drama and chaos associated with this upcoming election? Yeah, all right, it's excellent. How many would say this morning, I just, I, I can't stand it. In fact, I hate it when the subject comes up. I hate it when we're at dinner and it comes up or at the coffee shop or with family. Maybe you're like that this morning. Yeah, okay, a couple of you. How many of you here this morning, you're the ones that bring it up? Anyone here? Yeah, you're like, yeah, come on, let's get talking here. Some husbands and wives kind of look in and smile and hear like, that's you. I know that's you. You're the one that does that. So some of you are here thinking, oh, cringe. Is this going to be a series about politics? Is this going to be a series about the election? Maybe some of you here this morning are thinking, great, Dave is talking about this. He is addressing it from the front because he needs to. He needs to let everyone know exactly how they should vote. Because I know, I know how Jesus would vote, and I'm a little worried because some of my Facebook friends don't seem to realize the correct way to vote. So this morning, David's going to bring some guidance and some direction and about time. And I am. I've got the answer for you here this morning. Now, you may be a little shocked, but I actually feel like I'm incredibly qualified to give you some direction in this upcoming uh, election. Because in actual fact, I figured out the answer. It's simple. It's this. Right there. I, I think it's time. I, I, can, I can murder a deal here. I've got some contacts back there. I, I think this is the time we need to... Now, I know, I know 350 years ago, you really didn't like this whole monarchy idea, that evil King George and his taxes, and you, you rebels, you kicked us out, and you say, we don't want to be a monarchy anymore. And uh, I get that. But a lot's changed. We've got a new George. Check out this one. He's adorable. Seriously, I think you'd like the new George a lot better than the one from 350 years ago. So, so maybe now, maybe now is the time. Now, obviously, I'm kidding. Although, actually, if there was ever an election year to make this joke, this may be the year. But um, I'm kidding. And in this series, I want to just kind of put your minds at rest here a little bit. Although we are four Sundays away from the election... I want to focus more on that word decision, decision 2016. In fact, I'm going to ask you as we continue on this um, uh, journey over the next four weeks, when it comes to choices, when it comes to decisions, and we will all have to make a decision here in four weeks' time on November the 9th, and there will be a ballot box, and we'll check a box, and we won't check a box, or whatever that decision is, a decision will be made. But I want to challenge you just from the out set here, would you at least first and foremost say, despite what happens, aside from everything else, I'm going to choose Jesus. I'm going to choose Jesus today. I'm going to choose him over the next four weeks. I'm going to choose him on that election day, and I'm going to continue to choose Jesus moving forwards. You see, I know there's going to be a lot of focus going into that decision on November the 9th, and I do believe that it's one that we shouldn't take lightly, that we should be praying, if we're followers of Jesus here this morning, between now and that day, for God's wisdom and guidance and direction. 
But I don't want us to forget, especially if you're here this morning that you're, and you're a follower of Jesus, that before we are anything, we are followers of Jesus. So that this morning, maybe we'll say, you know what? I'm a Christ follower first and a Republican second. Or maybe you hear this morning, you'll say, I'm a Christ follower first and a Democrat second. I'm a Christ follower first and whatever other options there are out there, that's second. And I believe as a follower of Jesus that right now, God is on the throne. He reigns. He's sovereign. He is in control. I believe in four weeks' time, he will still be on the throne. And in four and a half weeks' time, no matter the outcome, I believe that God will still be on the throne. And I will choose to continue to follow him. So here's the thought process we're going to go through over these next four weeks. When it comes to this idea of decision-making, decision 2016, I want to challenge you with this thinking. That, have you ever thought about this? That obviously, that choice that we make on November 9th, it's going to be a huge choice for our country. And millions of Americans across America will make that choice. And it could really dictate the future. And I believe that. But the reality is that every single one of us, we will make choices every day up till that day. We'll make a big choice on that day. And do you know what? We'll continue to make some choices from then on. And I honestly believe that the followers of Jesus that are here this morning that are all across Washington and central Illinois and Illinois in the United States and even across the world, the choices that they make every day can have a greater impact on our world than any politician ever can. If we will make the right choices, we can have a greater impact on the world that we live. And don't get me wrong, I'm not undermining that choice on November the 9th. I'm just saying that we make choices every day. And the choices that we make can have a huge impact leading up to the election, on the election, and in everyday following. We're actually going to spend four weeks looking at four specific choices that Jesus had us make. There were conversations he had, stories he told that kind of lined up the people who were listening with a question. And in that moment, they had a choice to make. And I think 2,000 years later, those questions are still just as valid to us today. He laid down some, some, some questions and some arguments and said, now what will you choose? What decision will you make? Because the decision you make in your life, it could be the difference between freedom or slavery. It could be the difference between being part of the solution or being part of the problem. It could actually be the difference between life or death. I think Jesus is saying the decision you take, the decisions you make every day, if you'll make those right decisions as a collective gathering of followers of Jesus across this world, we will have such a great impact on the world in which we live. So this morning, we're going to talk about the first question. It can be found, uh, Jesus is talking in Luke chapter 9. Luke is one of the four people that wrote about the life of Jesus. And as we get to Luke chapter 9, things are just kind of starting to warm up now. Jesus' ministry is starting to pick up and some great things are happening and the title of my message this morning is, Are You a Fan or a Follower? Because Jesus comes to this very important crossroads where he kind of lays down this challenge to those listening. And I think to us today as well, are you a fan or a follower? But before we get to that, let's kind of lead up to what's happening here in Luke chapter 9. So Jesus is running what we would call a great campaign. In this chapter alone, he's doing some amazing things. 
In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, we read that he'd called the 12 together, the disciples. He'd given them this power and authority to, to drive out demons, to cure diseases. He's sending them all out to proclaim good news to the sick and the poor. So his campaign staff, the disciples, they're going from village to village, and they are super successful at spreading this message. Then in Luke chapter 9, verse 11, we discover that not only is the word being spoken about how great Jesus is, but he's doing some great things as well. He welcomes them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. Jesus is healing people of sicknesses and diseases. I think as far as his campaign goes, the healthcare part of it is just going really well. He's getting a lot of support. People like his attitude to healthcare. He's, he's healing a lot of people. Then in Luke chapter 9, verse 16 and verse 17, it says that he fed 5,000 people. You may remember the story of the five loaves and the two fish and how he was able to miraculously spread them to feed the 5,000 people in the crowd that day. Just in this short chapter, we're seeing story after story that's building and building. And, and the, the followers of Jesus, they are growing and growing. There were 5,000 people there to listen to Jesus. As far as campaigns go, he was running a really successful one. And then we come to verse 23. In the height of his success, Jesus stands before the crowd in verse 23. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, I'm not a political consultant here this morning, but that sounds like a pretty bad campaign slogan to me. So wait, Jesus, you're saying I have to deny myself? I thought you were going to tell me, you know, as a, as a candidate of all the things that you'll do for me. I love that healing part. <clears throat> I love the, the free food. That was all great. But what's this deny myself? Talk about a polarizing statement to make. Jesus brings in this challenge. And the question we have to ask this morning is why in the world would he say that? Why at the, heat of, at the height of his popularity would he bring this, this polarizing statement that could very easily turn people away from following him? And I think the simple answer is that Jesus, he's not interested in attracting crowds of adoring fans. Instead, he wants followers. You see, there's a big difference between being a fan and being a follower. Let me show you what a fan looks like. There's a, there's a lot of fans in here this morning, I know who are just pretty excited right now. Yeah? I've seen the T-shirts. I, I, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think this morning as we were taking the offering, like two out of three people collecting the offering were wearing Cubs T-shirts. I mean, it's like, it, I'm not, we're not trying to send that message here at Connect, but I do apologize if you're a Cardinals fan. Please come back in November. You'll love this church. But... Um, Cubs fans, I mean, they are just super excited right now. Check out this guy. I mean, he's really pinning his hopes on this happening because he is running out of opportunities here. If we don't do this, if the Cubs don't do this by 2019, he's in trouble. <laughs> so there is some, some fandom right here. I mean, he is pretty committed. Maybe the Blackhawks. Any Blackhawks fans here this morning? Yeah, I got a few waves there, a few cheers. You Blackhawks fans, you're, you're kind of saying to the Cubs fans, hey, welcome to the playoffs. <laughs> We've had some experience here. We know what's going on. Come talk to us if you need any help. Um, how about any Bears fans? Any Bears fans? Yeah. 
You're like, we don't need trophies. What's that? It's just the game. You know, we're just, we're just all these Cubs fans caught up in playoffs and World Series. We just love watching the Bears play because they're not going to win. <laughs> but the reality is being a fan is only going to get you so far, isn't it? I mean, think about it. A fan cheers from the stands, but fans don't really sacrifice anything on the field, do they? A fan may know all about the players and the stats and the, the, the games, but the fan doesn't actually know the players. Maybe you know some people like this who are, uh, are fans when the team's doing well and then when they're not doing so well, the, the, the cheering dies down. Maybe you've seen some people wearing cup shirts. You're like, where were you last year? <laughs> I've been wearing this shirt for 10 years now. Fans can be kind of up and down a little bit, can't they? But I know this, whatever fans look like, they look very different than followers. You see, Jesus defines what a follower is in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, not fan, if any of you wants to be my follower, and I think Jesus had a lot of fans at that time, but if you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So what does that mean to turn from your selfish ways? There's another version of the Bible where instead of saying turn from your selfish ways, it says deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? Maybe you're here this morning and recently you've um, decided to go on a diet, lose some weight, and you know what it means to deny yourself. You've been at the restaurant where your friends are like, should we do dessert? Yeah, let's do dessert. Let's get this chocolate sensation, five spoons. And you're like, oh, I'll just have some carrots. I'm okay. <laughs> or maybe your commitment's to join the gym and you're denying yourself of sleep because you're getting up early and you're going to the gym and you're running or you're working out, whatever it is, because you, you've got this goal of doing this marathon. And for the majority of you, that is denying yourself. Now, I know there's a few of you who are like, just jump out of bed. You can't wait. You're like, I'm looking forward to running, and I'm looking forward to training. I want to get up at four in the morning to do it, and you're just weird. <laughs> For the most of us, okay, there's that idea of denying yourself, denying yourself the treats in life, the, the sleep, because I want to lose weight, or I want to um, get stronger, or be ready for this race. And when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, there is an aspect of that that Jesus starts to challenge these crowds of people that are following him with. He says, you're going to need to deny yourself. He also says that if you want to be a follower, not just a fan, you need to take up your cross. So what does that mean? Because when I think of the cross, I think of death and suffering and misery and pain. And I think there are some people who interpret that verse that way. They're thinking, you know, you're not really a follower of Jesus unless you've got a fair share of misery and pain in your life. That's what it means to take up your cross. I don't actually think that's what Jesus is saying there. When Jesus is referring to the cross, he's referring to um, the fact that he was going to have to carry that cross. He was going to have to carry the burden and the weight of that cross. And go to his death and die and rise again for us to have a relationship with God. That was his mission. He had to carry that for us. And when he says take up your cross, I think he's saying, will you too take on that burden? You don't need to carry a physical cross, but will you take on the burden of responsibility to share my mission, to share my story, to reach others whose lives are broken and who are hurting would you take on that mission? Would you carry the cross like I did? Would you join me in my mission to reach those who are far from God? 
And I feel like the fans were sat there listening, thinking, oh, this is getting a little bit, a little bit harder. Deny yourself, take up your cross. And then just when they thought it couldn't get any tougher, Jesus adds one more little word. He says, daily. Take up your cross daily. But Jesus, I want to follow you, but could we not just do a couple of Sundays a month? Maybe four. I mean, I'll, I'll do four Sundays a month. This whole Mondays through Saturdays is kind of difficult. I'm, I'm okay with taking up the cross, but do you have any other versions? Maybe a, a smaller one or a lighter one. Or one that maybe folds up so from time to time when it's not convenient, I can just tuck it in my pocket. We want to kind of negotiate. But that's what shows the difference there between fans and followers. So Jesus digs down a little bit deeper here and he challenges the people listening back then and he challenges us 2,000 years later as we read this passage to make a decision. Will you be a fan or will you be a follower? And he pushes a little bit harder in the end of Luke chapter 9. And he challenges three different individuals. Listen to the story of what happens to these three different people. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 58, our first fan, there's an encounter. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So what's Jesus saying there? I mean, this guy's enthusiastic. He's saying, Jesus, I will follow you. And Jesus says, that's great, but you know I'm homeless, right? He says, you know I don't actually have a place of my own to call home. You see, I think Jesus could see into this man's heart. I think he knew what this man really was after. And, and he knew that deep down in his heart of hearts, this guy was saying, you know, I'll follow if it's comfortable. I'll follow you if it's comfortable. I'm with you, Jesus. But this deny yourself, this, this take up your cross, this is the stuff that Jesus is challenging us with. Because if following Jesus costs me nothing, I need to stop and ask myself, am I really following? If I only follow when it's comfortable, I'm not a follower. I'm a fan. Jesus says to those who are seeking comfort this morning, my followers are prepared to sacrifice. There may come times as a follower where we have to, to sacrifice some of the comfort. But it's because we are committed to being a follower of Jesus. Right after this, Jesus runs into somebody else in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 60. He said to another man, follow me. He's looking for followers all around. And this, this man replies, oh, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. But, but first, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus replies and says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, maybe you've read this verse before and you're like, wow, Jesus, that's a little bit cold. That's a little bit harsh. The guy just wants to bury his dad. Come on. It's not like he doesn't want to follow you. He's just, his dad needs burying. But the reality is, if you read this verse in the context and the culture in which it was written, this isn't actually what this guy was saying. You see, in these days, culturally, it was the son's responsibility. You would grow up and you would grow up in your father's. Maybe it was a farm or a, um, a, a business that you were a part of. And, and the father would be in charge and the sons would be the heirs to this business. 
And one of the responsibilities of the sons would be to, um, to continue to look after their parents and look after their father. And then there would come a time when their father would die and they would take care of the estate and they would lay their father to rest. And then at that point, the son would become the heir, would now become the owner of the, uh, the estate, the vineyard, whatever it may be. And his own sons then would take on the responsibility in following after him. So in this situation, this particular person, his dad probably wasn't even dead at this point. What he was saying was, let me take care of my responsibilities as a son. Let me finish out this stage of my life. Let me get this sorted. And then when I'm ready, when this all sorts itself out, then I will come and follow you. In essence, what this man was saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you when it's convenient. When I can get everything figured out here, then I will follow you. But Jesus replies, my followers realign their priorities. For followers, everything becomes secondary to the call to follow Jesus and to further his mission. Following him can sometimes interrupt our lives. It can sometimes cause our lives to to turn in a direction that we weren't expecting. But if we're only going to follow when it's convenient, then we have to ask, am I a follower or am I a fan? There's a third fan that Jesus comes across. Listen to what this conversation goes like in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 through 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. All right, so this is another kind of weird response here from Jesus. And I think in order to kind of get a mental picture of of what's going on here, you have to hear it through the way the people in his time would have heard it. You see, they would have been very familiar with a farmer and how it was his job to plow a field. He would have had an oxen and he would have had a plow and that would have pulled. And, and as he was, you know, the object is to plow in straight lines. But anytime that person looks back or anytime that person's distracted, you're going to get a bit of a mess there. Maybe you've seen that. I've got two wonderful sons. They're fantastic. And one of their responsibilities is to cut the grass. We're coming to the end of the grass cutting season. They've done brilliant. But every now and again, Every now and again, I'll come home as I'm driving into the garage, the driveway, we'll say, as I'm, as I'm arriving home. I'll glance out of the grass, and I'll notice that there's just one line where there's just some long grass. It's like a whole long line there. And I'll get out, and I'll kind of look down. I'll say, what is up with that? And I'll know. That's where they changed the track on the iPod. That's where their friend rode by in their bike, and they're like, Hey! <laughs> Because any time you're focused on that task and something distracts you and something pulls you away from that task, it can cause, and this is what Jesus was saying, anyone who sets his, task, his hand to the plow and says, I'm moving forward, but then turns back. So the hearers, the people listening to this story would have thought, I get it. That's not great farming when that happens. So Jesus is, is challenging this person because really what he's saying is, I'll follow if I can keep control. I'll follow if, if I can keep control. I'm not sure I'm ready to commit fully to this. You know, what if that? What if this? And I may need to go back and do this. And, may look. and Jesus says, no. To be a follower, you can't look back. You've got to say, I'm committed to this no matter what because my followers commit fully to following me. Following Jesus requires total commitment. Do you know, as I was preparing this, I came across this phrase that says, Jesus isn't just saying, I want first place in your life. He's saying, I don't even want there to be a second place. 
This is tough. This is a difficult fork that we'll find ourselves in this morning. Am I a fan or am I a follower? And I don't think it's a switch that we turn on or off. I think sometimes we have to make that commitment, and then we have to start on that journey, and we have to ask God to help us. God, I want to be a follower, but this is difficult, this denying myself, taking up my cross, because I know that being a follower, it may mean that my priorities will change. Comfort, convenience, control. They may be challenged in my life, but that's the difference between followers and fans. So when it comes to decision 2016, what will you choose? Will you choose this morning to be a fan, or will you choose to be a follower? You know, this morning you saw four people get baptized here. Four wonderful stories in the video of how they'd made that decision. They said, I don't want to just be a fan. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want my friends and my family and everyone who knows me to know I love him so much that I'm committing to follow him. I got to sit in on the videos, and because we had a smaller amount of people being baptized this time, we were able to ask kind of longer questions and get more of their story, and I loved that. And please, if you want to get baptized in the future, don't watch that video and think, well, I can't get baptized. I've got a story like that. There. Everyone has a story of what Jesus has done in their lives. And sometimes when we have more, baptized, more people baptized, the stories are a little bit shorter. And sometimes when it's a shorter amount, we have longer stories. But I got to sit and listen to all of those stories being told. And we had to edit that video down because it was actually like 20 minutes of stories all together. And uh, as great as they are, I, we didn't have time to want to show them all. So... I got to hear Caitlin share her story, and it was fantastic. And you probably picked up on it this morning on the video as she was sharing this, but one of the things when I read this passage of what it means to be a follower of Jesus versus just a fan, it can actually sound like, well, that sounds difficult, denying myself, taking up my cross. Am I committing to a life of suffering and pain and difficult situations? And the answer is sometimes yes. As a follower, if we're going to go head-to-head against comfort, convenience, and control, there will be times where it will be difficult. But I loved Caitlin's story. That she shared that, you know, she'd grown up and she'd been around church people and she's been following Jesus. And, and she actually kind of said as she was telling that story, you know, that she'd really kind of learned what it was behaviorally to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. She was doing things right. She was, she was living the life. And then Rowan, their son, was born. Within hours of him being born, they had to rush him to the NICU, and for a month, they stayed in the hospital with many, many unanswered questions and many, many prayers. And she was talking about this in this story, saying, you know, I was crying out to God, asking for healing answers, and it just seemed that through a lot of it, I wasn't getting it, but what I was getting was this connection with God, this relationship with God that I'd never had before. I felt like now this was so much more than just that. And, and one of the reasons she felt stirred to be baptized, as, the, as her story said in the video, is because now something was happening in her life that she could never have experienced of God without having gone through this. There was a trust and a faith and a relationship in Jesus that she has now that she never had before that. I believe when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross, sometimes there will be tough times. But even in those tough times, God will use them to mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be. And I don't think we can find that as just fans. I think sometimes you have to be a follower to discover that. So let me close out with this last thought here this morning. 
Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, doesn't he? We've talked about it a couple of times this morning. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. But listen to what he says in the very next sentence. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus is saying, I know this sounds difficult, but as you give up your life for me, you will receive this wonderful life. Your life will be saved. You see, one way or another, you're going to lose your life. Jesus is offering you the chance to lose it for a purpose. There was a missionary by the name of Amy Carmichael, and she said this. She said, what Jesus is offering you and I is a chance to die. A chance to die to our self-centered, distracted, shallow, small-minded ways in order to live for something, for someone more amazing than we could ever imagine. And I know as we get closer to the election, there's some some fear and some um, anger and some anxiety and, and all sorts of emotions that are going on right now, and I feel like social media just magnifies that by 10,000%. But if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus... We are faced with this decision that we can make right now. Am I going to be a fan or a follower? And I think Jesus asked that question 2,000 years ago, and I think he's still asking it this morning. And I think the outcome of that answer this morning and in churches across this country and across this world, that's what will make the difference. I believe a a city of Washington, a city of Peoria, a state of Illinois, the nation of the United States of America, full of followers of Jesus who are going to make the choice to say, you know what, here's the decision I'm making. I'm not just going to be a fan. I'm going to be a follower. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to, uh, if it means giving up comfort, convenience, or control in my life, I'm going to allow Jesus to have full control. I believe that can make a difference, a huge difference. And we can put our faith and our trust in God who's on the throne because of the choice that we make. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk over the next three weeks. And even though this is uh, kind of tying in around the election cycle, and we may kind of jump in and out a little bit into some some current events, but we're going to focus in on, on three more choices that Jesus gave us. Because I honestly believe that making the right decision with what Jesus challenges us to do, that's the hope for our future. Let's pray. Father, this morning, four wonderful young people made a very important decision. They made a decision to go public with their faith. And I just thank you so much for them, Lord. I pray you'll bless them and their families and their friends. Lord, that wonderful story, there's a great verse in Revelation where it says that we overcome the enemy, we overcome the devil through the power of your blood, the blood that was shed by you on the cross, through the power of your blood and the word of our testimony. This morning, Lord, we heard four wonderful stories that partnered with the power of your blood to help us overcome the enemy. And I know, Lord, in this room this morning, there are dozens and dozens more stories like that. So thank you so much, Lord, for those people who made that decision. Now, Lord, as we leave this morning, we can make a decision too. Help us to make that choice, Lord. And I really honestly believe, Lord, that for some tonight, before they fall asleep, just to say, God, I want to be a follower. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. It may simply be uttering those words and praying that prayer. 
that will be the first step into an adventure of following you. But give us the courage to pray that prayer. I don't believe it's going to be a light bulb moment where we pray the prayer and suddenly everything changes. It's just a commitment. It's just a decision and a choice that we make. But it will lead us into a new future, a new destiny, a new purpose. And we can be the instruments of change as followers of Jesus. Thanks for everyone here. Bless them, I pray. Bring them safely back next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen.